few things from it that are pretty important, though. The name of the song is called Time, and so we have to start there at least. For some people, this idea that maybe if you just gave me more time, I could change has an element of hope in it. That I, I want to do the right thing, I want to go to the right place. If you just gave me enough time, I think I could pull it off. And for others, they've heard over and over again, I just need more time. And the time they've given, nothing's really changed. And it's become an issue of frustration. To give you more time doesn't mean anything to me at this point. The rest of that song was just full of all kinds of stuff that we drag into our relationships. The stubbornness, um, all of the issues that he talked about where um, he felt angst, had to go to counseling, thought a certain way, she thought a certain way. They had all of this stuff kind of just thrown in the pot. And the question is, when you see all of that stuff, is, all, is that all you need is just time? If you can address all of those things with time, are you going to be fine? Tracy and I have had friends who were married for a long time. And suddenly, their relationship ended in divorce. We didn't see it coming. We had no idea. There was no conversation about how we could help. It was just over. We've watched other couples that it was like a slow disintegration of the relationship over a long period of time. And when it finally ended, we would look at each other and wonder, how in the world did that last so long? Like they, they treated each other so horribly. How did, it, how did it make it as long as it did? And I think we've kind of concluded that time could work. But we don't think it's the major factor. Because if you spend your time working on the wrong thing, you don't get anywhere. It's why over the last few weeks, we've been trying to help you be focused on what's really going to matter inside your relationships. We talked about the first week, criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. If you're comfortable with those in your relationship, it's going to lead you to terrible places. If you want to use time to change something that's important, start reducing those. Start seeing those go away. I don't think they'll ever all go away, but you can see less and less of that in your relationship. It's going to pay off. Two weeks ago, we said, listen, what if you started looking at the differences that God created in that other person as something that you could be fond of, something that's of value to your life, and you could start appreciating that? If you started doing that and you spent your time seeing the differences as of value to you, it would benefit your life greatly. Last week, we talked about respect, finding a way to show each other a deep level of respect. You spend your time on that, you're getting somewhere. Today, we're going to add one to the mix. It's hard. <laughs> it's not natural to us. It's not naturally found in our culture. In fact, I'm convinced um, it's so different that if you're not purposefully choosing to do it, you won't. And yet, it has a huge impact on how your relationship will either be strong and survive storms or not. So I want to take you to a section of scripture that I think details this pretty well. Um, but I just probably should tell you, I feel like the odd man out. 
I've done a lot of reading um, on this as I've prepared for this, and there are two main uh, thoughts about this section of Scripture. One, I'm just going to simplify it. It's probably more complicated than this, but one would be a traditional view of this section of Scripture, and one is a non-traditional view, and very little in between, except I find myself in between. And I'm not doing it um, just to be difficult or whatever. I, I think based on the context... I think based on the content of what God was trying to get out of marriage, something in the middle makes far more sense than both of these ideas. So I want to I take you to Ephesians chapter 5, and I want to show you what Paul is saying. He is writing to us, the church, and he's trying to help us figure out how we'll live with each other. And he decides to use an example of marriage as a picture for what we can wrestle with. And he says something radical about how we should interact with each other, but it happens to also be radical about marriage. It's kind of unheard of. And so I want to take you to that section of Scripture. It's in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Paul says this. He's about to talk about marriage as this example. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, if you understand the two uh, main ideas or the two interpretations of this, you'll understand that one of them is a traditional view that says this section of Scripture is about authority. The word, when the word submit is used, if you go and look at most of other, uh, the rest of the text, every time it comes up in the text, it's about authority of some way. And so they've said it has, it has a one-way implication so as soon as you see this word, you should assume it's one-way implication. I think there are some actual variations in the text, and they've made some assumptions that I'm not comfortable with, assuming that it means this way all the time. I'm not sure you can make that assumption. But that's what, that's what is said, and this is about authority. And so Paul is establishing authority. They would say this is also about order. Like there has to be an order to some things, and so this is part of the order. And the second view also says, yeah, this is about order. And so that's going to be helpful for us. But the second view is a non-traditional view. And it says this section of scripture is about equality. It's about both people who are equal. And that's what you see in the text. And so um, my problem with that is that they're talking about a culture all of the ancient cultures, in fact, were on the same page with this. Um, the guys held authority. They determined anything and everything. And so for them to say, I think this is about equality, they're laying something on a culture that wasn't even processing that way, didn't think that way, didn't function that way. I think it's a leap. I think it's a leap for it to get to that kind of extreme. But what this boils down to, why this becomes kind of such an issue is ultimately what's happened is this has become about the roles of men and wife in the relationship. And what's happened is we, the people on the authority side have said, this is about women submitting. Because it's about authority, it's one way, one person holds the authority, so the woman has to submit. And it's a demand and expectation that they do this. It's a command, there's no conversation about it, just do it. And on the other side, the other side is like, no, 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 no. This is about equality, and this is about both of them equally submitting. And we know they're equally submitting because we measure, and we measure everything. 
And based on what you do or how you do it, how you say things, what you say, all of that, I can determine if we're equal or not. And it's all measured. And it's this war about, you know what, I've got freedom over here as a woman. It's like, no, you don't. You have to submit all this other stuff. And in the middle of all of that, it turns into a battle. This, my friends, is why they call this a hot-button issue. And where most people who are smart would say this. Let's see what's in Ephesians chapter 6, <laughs> right? But I'm not that smart. I'm not that smart, and so I'm going to risk um, upsetting people who might have either one of these positions. That's not my desire. That's not my goal. I, I think I want to take you to a place that I think is more in line with what I think the text teaches and believes. And so if that stretches you a little bit, it's okay. But the other reason I feel like we have to do this is because we're about to step into a place that carries a key for the strength of your relationship. And if you don't know this, if you don't practice this, you're going to have a hard time weathering the storms of life together. So let me just say this directly. Submission, serving, yielding to each other makes marriage work. Without it, you're in a world of pain. Now here, here's part of the problem. In our culture, when you hear the word submission used, it's almost always referenced to some guy in an octagon doing some sort of weird chokehold. Can we show that? Maybe. No? There it is. And they're trying to submit somebody out. And if I can get them to tap out, then I've got submission done. I wish I could say that doesn't look like marriage, but sometimes that's what it feels like. Am I wrong? Right? You want your way, you haven't got it yet, and you're putting the other person in a chokehold to get them there. And so we react and we respond to this idea of submission with real difficulty. But here's the truth. I'm going to steal this. I don't know who I took it from. I found it in my notes. I liked it. I didn't write their name down. But it, this isn't me, okay? But I want to read this to you. Submission is about bringing harmony to your relationship through honor. Submission is about bringing harmony to your relationship. And it, it should make a little bit of sense. There's harmony to the relationship because one of you just didn't get your way. Your desires were second. What you wanted got pushed to the side. The way you would do it isn't the way you're doing it because you chose to submit to somebody, to each other, to make it happen. Now, this is difficult. How do I know if I choose to do this that I won't be taken advantage of? How do I know if it goes too far? Now, these are kinds of questions that I think get answered by how Paul follows up here. He actually is going to say some things that are, I think, different and kind of blow up and explain what he's saying. But I don't want to miss what he says first. He says, submit to one another. I would, I would suggest to you that if Paul wanted to simply make this about authority, all he had to do was say, submit. 
because everybody knew the man dominated. In all, in all these cultures, the man had the dominant position. He set contracts. He determined who would marry who. Um, he, in the Roman culture, you had so much authority, you could kill your own child and not be held responsible for it. You could do whatever you wanted. You're the guy. So they understood this kind of thinking. And all he had to do was say, submit. But as soon as he adds to one another, he's changing the ball game. By the way, both groups of people who say it's about authority and who say it's about equality say that phrase would have been shocking, would have been jarring for everybody who heard it. Because that is not the way those cultures dealt with each other. And it's, the, the reason is simple. These were, these were Western or Eastern cultures, but they weren't Christian. And Paul was trying to establish what it would look like for a Christian community, a church, to relate well to each other. And so he establishes what it would look like for a wife and husband to relate to each other. And it's different from the cultures that everybody's seen because he's trying to establish what it means to be a Christian culture. And so he lays this out. And then I think Paul starts to give examples he starts to blow this up so that we can start digesting this and understand what he's talking about. And so in verse 22, he says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Was this a demand or is this a choice that they're making? Submit yourself. They're making a choice to be submissive inside that relationship. And then he gives them an example for what that might look like. I want you to do this as if you're serving the Lord. Your husband is not God. We all know, like we're all very familiar with that. Some of us think they are, but you're not. And, and you don't have that. But he's saying, listen, I want you to have that same type of devotion. I want you to feel that way, that you would have this sense that you would want to serve out of a level of care. And then in verse 25, he opens this up and he says, husbands, Love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Choice or demand, gave himself up for her. Choice. He willingly did this. And then it's given the example, what are you supposed to do? Love, not just any kind of love. This is not about romantic love. What Jesus chose to do was to go to a cross for people who hadn't earned it or deserved it. So he sacrificed his life. And that, guys, is the standard by which we're measured. Our response should be sacrificial love. And so he gives this general idea. I want you to submit to each other. But what that looks like for you, ladies, is to find a way to serve him like you would serve God. And guys, I want you to sacrifice yourself like Jesus sacrificed. And that becomes the standard. I would say it this way. I think what we see in the scriptures opens up a third option. A way to understand what God's trying to get at. And I would say it's not equality and it's not authority. It's mutuality. Maybe I would use the word oneness. But mutuality kind of fits when, with all of that. And if you were kind of going down the list and you started looking at how they compared with everything else, you, um, let's put that up real quick. You would see that mutuality, it's about both 
but it's unequal. You're not doing the same things. Why? Because there's different roles. You have a different role inside the relationship. And so, guys, you're required to love like it hurts. Ladies, serve. It's, it's, not, it's not equal. It's to be given. I'm giving this to you out of my choice. And it's not something that I measure. I can't get to a place where I say, how much sacrifice is enough? There's no measure on it. You just keep finding a way to give, to give, to give. This is the picture that I think represents what God was trying to do when he established oneness in the beginning. That he was trying to make it about a we and us, a together, a team thing that we have, that when we step into life, we can face difficulties it doesn't mean that there aren't roles that God has assigned. I happen to think that the scriptures are clear on this as well. Guys, you're required to lead. You're to lead your families. What that doesn't mean is that you dominate your families. What it means is that you sacrifice like nobody else in your relationship. That's the picture. Ladies, I could take you. I could take you to the scriptures. I think I've done that in here before. Where I could show that you're a co-equal creation in God's eyes with men. You're no different, but your equality does not mean that there isn't a place where you choose to serve. Where instead of demanding your equality, you become a servant to this other person that you're with. And by so doing, a we forms, a team, a mutuality. We're obviously in a series that we've called Reality TV, and so I was trying to think of a TV show that we could do with this weekend that would help you understand what we're talking about, and really only one show came to mind, The Deadliest Catch. It was the only thing I could think of, right? Um, for one, there's almost no submission on that show whatsoever, and so I thought finding examples would be fairly easy. This will be good. But the part that I think is real life, the part that I think is about marriage a great deal, is that these guys set um, for sale out into the ocean with winds and waves that are trying to kill them. And their whole, the whole point of this is if they can all do their roles, if they can all do what they were supposed to do, you might come back alive and safe. And if not, the storm could kill you. I, I want to tell you, that sounds a lot like marriage. Let me show you what a storm out in the Bering Sea might look like. Check this out. Jake, what just happened? Jake, what just happened? We just took a big wave over the port side. Just seconds apart, two 40-foot waves broke over the deck of the saga. Hold on, guys. Hold on, guys. Hold on. The first submerged the starboard rail, just as the second wave hit, nearly capsizing the boat. Wow. I've never had that happen to me before. I don't know how many times you're going to say that in life. I've never had that happen before, but it's going to be a lot. It's going to be stuff that happened with kids. 
It's going to be things that happen at work that you bring home. It's going to be health scares that you confront. It's going to be family issues that are far extended past your own immediate family. And stuff will roll into your relationship. And if everybody does their roles and everybody submits to each other, you can survive a storm like that. Or you can tear each other to pieces. Can I just tell you, it, it's really hard. It's really hard to watch. As husbands in the church get into the middle of a storm in their relationship, and the thing they're worried about is demanding their authority. You'll listen to me. And they talk demeaning to their spouse. And they act like it's a requirement and expectation and you have to do this. And so they demand it. You ha I've heard pastors, I've heard pastors tell wives that the authority is so clear that even if you're getting abused, you should stay with your spouse. It makes me furious. It's baloney. That is not what the scriptures are getting at. But it's just as regrettable because I've watched sometimes ladies in the midst of the storms of life demand their equality. You're already equals. But you're demanding that in the middle of the storm and all that comes out of it is levels of fights that make you wonder if you're going to survive or not. I wanted to show you the clip of that crew right after those 40-foot waves hit the boat because the captain of that ship is supposed to see those waves coming and he's supposed to either throttle back or turn into them so that the waves don't crest onto the boat. When it crests onto the boat like that, you can actually lose people over the edge. And if you do, they're done. I was watching the episode and the wave hit and it cleared the deck and I started hearing the captain go like this. One, two, three, four, five. Because he thought for sure he'd lost one. And the interaction that happened after that, I can't show it to you because there were more bleeps than there were English words. And I was like, well, that I can't do. But luckily for the show, there's plenty of opportunities to find other things. So I found one with reduced bleeping. And you're going to hear it and you're going to go, that's reduced? Yes, this is a reduced one. Check this out. the Northwestern. My hands are locked in. Oh, pay attention. Okay, you want to run the hydraulics? You run them. You don't know you're slow. So shut your mouth. Hey! Hey! Deckhands Matt Bradley and Jake Anderson come to blows. The work's hard enough. They're out on the ocean trying to survive. And what do they come up with? Yelling, screaming, and acting crazy. And you'd think it was hard enough already. Doesn't that sound a little bit like marriage? Like you're trying to build oneness. You're out there in the world trying to survive together. And what comes easy for us sometimes 
is the yelling, the screaming, the acting crazy, the demanding my authority, demanding my equality. And isn't it hard enough already? See, that what, what God had in mind was that two people would come together and find a way to fulfill roles in the relationship, but that they would submit to each other while they did it, and a oneness would form that would be incredible. It's just risky. It's just risky. If I do this, how do I know that it's gonna be reciprocated? It might not be. If I do this, how do I know when they've crossed the line? These are hard, these are hard issues. And because this is so hard, I think the scriptures provide a motivation for us like no other that's found in the second part of verse 21. There's two phrases, he says, submit to one another, and then he says, out of reverence for Christ. I want you to submit out of reverence for Christ. Your desire to submit to each other has to do with how you honor me and with how I've chosen to live. You take your cues from me. So let me do this. Guys, I want you to think about this for just a second. Did Jesus have less authority than God the Father? Because we see in the scriptures that he willingly yielded to the will of the Father on a consistent basis, did that mean that he didn't have the same type of authority? Because the scriptures tell us they're one. They were one. They had the same authority. They had different roles to fulfill. And so in fulfilling those roles, he made choices. And in the fulfilling of his role, he sacrificed himself. And out of reverence for Christ, guys, that's your role too. Ladies, let's think about this. Was Jesus equal to God or not? Was he lesser than? Scriptures tell us he was one, but Philippians also says that he did not consider his equality with God something to be grasped, to held on to for his advantage. That wasn't what he was all about. He had equality already, but that didn't stop him from becoming, the scriptures say, a servant. And that becomes the standard for you. In an attempt to honor God, you reflect what Jesus is doing and you serve in that relationship. See, it's quite possible without going to the extremes that I've heard some extremes go to, it's quite possible, guys, for you to have a level of authority in the relationship when you have a level of sacrificial love. Ladies, you're still equal even though you serve And if you want the kind of relationship that God had in mind in the first place, a sense of oneness, a sense of team, a sense of us, we, then it's mutuality. It's your only option. It is me choosing to yield myself to this other person in ways that are different than they might do it 
for the sake of each other. I'll tell you, when Tracy and I got married, we both um, were raised with a view that it was all about authority. And so I demanded my way. I expected her to do certain things. And because she believed that was the right way to do it, she did her best to honor that. And it put her in a very difficult position. There, it was complicated, there was more to it, but eventually she got to a place where she broke. And we realized together, this, is not, this can't be what God had in mind. This can't be my foot on her throat saying, you're required to do this for me. That can't be what it was. And we made really difficult decisions to start doing our relationship differently. We wanted an us, we wanted a they. And we have found ourselves in the midst of some pretty serious storms in life. And what we've discovered is we've gotten stronger, not weaker from them. We actually, we actually tie into each other because of our strengths and weaknesses. We, we use each other to get through those and they've made us better. It's not been the way that it always was for us though. It's a challenge. And the question is, what are you, what are you going to do? Are you going to choose to demand your way or are you going to find a way to serve that other person even though it's risky? On occasion, Tracy and I will get into, um, it's, it's, not, it's not an argument, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's playful banter back and forth where I start to make a list. I normally start it because I'm that kind of person, right? I start to make a list of all the things that I do to serve her and I'm telling her that I serve her more than she does me, right? Which then she has a list, which means we're, we're measuring. We're still measuring, even though that's not helpful. We do it. Look, this is what I do. 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 I serve you more. And here's the conclusion I've come to. I think maybe that's how you're supposed to feel. I think maybe you're supposed to feel like you've trying to outserve that other person and you've just given more. Because out of love for God, you've decided to reflect him in a small way inside your relationship. And that means you're a self-sacrificer. And that means you're somebody who serves. And it might look different, but it honors God. And so it's what you do, even when it feels like maybe it's not equal. What do you have to do to start a changing, adjusting the submission, the serving in your relationship to bring honor to each other? Can I pray with you? God, this uh, picture of oneness in the scripture sounds really great, where two people come together and their team, they go up against the storms of life and they, they make it but it's hard. And one of the reasons it's hard is because in order to do it well, there has to be a servant, a servant's attitude that we have towards each other. But so many times, man, we keep score. We keep track of whether it's equal or not, of whether you submitted the way I wanted you to not, if you're doing it my way. And we've lost sight that the goal 
is for us to honor God by honoring each other. There is nothing easy about it, but God, I ask that you would give us courage. Courage to embrace this radical view of what it means to love each other, to take it into our relationships and our world, for people to see that we genuinely serve our spouse. God, I ask that you would help them spend their time on the stuff that matters. And this does. So as they figure out where to make adjustments, I ask you to give them courage to love sacrificially, to serve, to honor you and to honor each other. In Jesus' name, amen.